0: And here we go, the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. I am Eddie Cohn, the host, the creator of the Spiritual Spiral. Thrilled that you're here listening, wherever you are across the world, I'm thrilled that you're listening. And today, you'll have the pleasure of listening to a conversation I had about a week ago with Darren Campbell. He lives over in Austin, Texas, and I actually went to college with Darren This will continue my pursuit of trying to understand the meaning of life, or at least try to make sense of it, because I have to tell you, a lot of times it doesn't always seem to make sense. I thought of Darren, actually, these last couple weeks, because not only did I go to college with Darren, but he was someone that I knew had... connection to God. Faith in Christianity was important to him. Religion hasn't really been a huge presence in my life, so I thought it would be really interesting to talk to somebody about the death of Kobe Bryant and his daughter and try to get a little sense of it all. It just feels like a lot of times there's no sense to why terrible things and tragedy happen every single day. As somebody who is connected to his religion and connected to Christianity, I thought it would be really interesting to sit down and talk to him. And it was really interesting. It was great. I haven't spoken to him for years. So I was thrilled that he took the time to talk to me. And, you know, it's a challenging concept to think about and i knew it would be challenging for Darren also and we he and i actually spoke today and i could tell he was still really thinking about our conversation this this idea of how we look up to athletes as though they're gods and that they can do no wrong and as long as they produce a championship for your city does it not matter what they do in their personal lives you know, I am apprehensive to use the word rape, but that is what Kobe Bryant, whether we want to believe it or not, that's what he was accused of. And I even spoke to a woman a couple weeks ago where her response after talking about the accusations surrounding Kobe, she said something to the effect of, well, you know, he's, he's, too, good, he's too good looking. I can't imagine that he would do that. And then there are other people out there, after Kobe passed away, they didn't even care that he passed away because all they did was think of him as a rapist. And it didn't even matter that he had five championships and all these millions of people were filled with such sorrow that this terrible tragedy happened to him and, the, and his daughter and the other people on the helicopter. It's just, it's complicated. And I... Am trying to make sense of it all. And this is what's so challenging about social media, and then I'll let you go, and you can obviously will listen to the conversation that I had with Darren. Social media is dwindling human beings down to robots. Either people stare at their phones all day, people don't talk anymore, they send DMs, they want to lump people into either being good or bad. And that's it. And I think Kobe Bryant is an excellent example of somebody who has incredible talent, is obviously fantastic on the basketball court. He seemingly was living a much happier, more fulfilling life with his family and his daughters. But that still doesn't hide the fact that he was accused of a terrible act. And the woman who accused him of this was terrified to even testify because she was getting death threats from Kobe Bryant fans. So it's very complicated. And it's also a pretty interesting take and observation on human behavior. Why do we look up to athletes so much? Why is it when somebody in the public eye does something potentially terrible, we just want to see them spiral down? We want to see their whole life basically crumble out of control. It's almost like we have become more voyeuristic than ever before. Like we love seeing tragedy happen before our eyes as long as it's not an athlete that brought us a national championship. It's, it's, it makes no sense, right? It's interesting how human beings pick and choose what we consider good and what we consider bad. So, these are just some thoughts that I'm going to continue to have over the next few weeks. And I do think technology and social media is making all of this actually worse. Again, if you dig the show, you can always share it with your friends, head over to iTunes, give the show a five-star, write a review, you can reach out to me on Instagram at Eddie Cone, say hello, tell me what you think about the show. I always love hearing from listeners. You can reach Darren on Instagram at Darren S. Campbell. He's also on Facebook as well. I get the sense he spends a little bit more time on Facebook, but I knew it would be a great talk and I hope you dig the talk as much as I did. So as always, thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. Thanks again to Darren Campbell for taking the time to talk with me. And again, my show proving the point once again After speaking with Darren, I felt more connected to him, and it was just great to see him again. And he tells a really powerful story at the end, and I really was blown away that he was willing to be so vulnerable and share such a personal story on the show. So again, I really appreciate all of you taking the time to listen and be a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. I'm really good how are you
1: doing well doing well of course of
0: course you have the los angeles dodgers hat on
1: i I put it on especially for this man (laughs) i was wearing a different hat i'm like now i'm gonna put on my dodgers hat
0: (laughs) yeah i was thinking about you i've been actually thinking about a few people ever since kobe passed away about a week ago and i'm curious first first off what were your thoughts when he passed away and I'll leave you—I want to set it up with this comment, though. There was an article in the LA Times today where people are frustrated by—you know, people don't like to hear that word rape. And there's a reporter for the LA Times today where people out there who obviously still remember what he did, or at least what he was accused of doing— right. People are frustrated that reporters say on ESPN will say something like, you know, he certainly had his ups and downs. Right. And so people are offended that they're referring to um, a rape accusation as just, you know, flippantly, he had his ups and downs. It's almost like people don't want to talk about it. On the one hand, I understand because he just passed away. What were your feelings or what are you feeling right now? It's only been about just over a week.
1: I mean, shocked, just like everyone else at first. You don't expect something like that to to happen. You know, and then the details pour in and you're always skeptical, or I am anyways, of, you know, what the truth really is. Like, I think one of the early reports said that his whole family was on board. Another report said Rick Fox was on board. Um, You know, so then you don't know what to believe. And it's sort of that you're caught in that social media maelstrom of what's really the truth. And, you know, there's a lot of non-truth in there. So, you know, it was just a lot of, but, you know, once it was confirmed and, you know, you saw it confirmed by legitimate news agencies that yes, he in fact had died, you know, it was, it was just really, um, yeah, just shocking most mostly of all, just because he was such a, I think a larger than life sports figure in terms of he kind of had that persona, you know, of, when I'm in the game, or as a Lakers fan anyway, I always felt like it, there was really never a lead that was too large or a game that we couldn't win. You know, I just figured Kobe was going to find a way. So it's not that he was invincible, but, you know, he just sort of had that Michael Jordan-esque kind of like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die trying to get this win or this team to the playoffs or whatever it is. You know, and then he had the Achilles injury. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that, but yeah. – uh, and he – He went back on the court and shot two free throws and then walked off. And so, you know, he just, he had sort of those moments. So it was, again, it's not that he's invincible, but he just, he was so tough. You just, you know, it's a reminder, I think that we're all everyone death is going to come for everyone at some point. You know, it's, it's going to happen. And you just don't expect it in that time. I think for me too, it was a little personal in that I had a really good friend here in Austin, who was a ESPN sports, um, personality and he was a huge Lakers fan as well. And we, you know, it's, it's rare living in Texas being a Lakers fan. You don't run into very many. And um, so, you know, he and I would, would talk and, you know, he was a big Kobe fan and he passed away last year uh, from a sudden heart attack. I think he was 41 or 42. So, you know, it's just, you know, and then to have Kobe pass, it's just, it's shocking. You know, it's like this shouldn't happen. You know, this, this is not the way it's supposed to go. I can talk about the rape stuff a little bit. I have mixed feelings on that. Number one. Um, I, I mean, any accusation of rape obviously is serious. You just never want to discount that. But I also sort of, I, I counter that with, I also realize that celebrities and especially athletes, they are in a vulnerable position where if they had what they thought was consensual sex and the other person decided, Oh, you know, I'm going to, make an accusation here. I mean, there's sort of, there's that at play too. So it was settled out of court. We don't really know where the truth lies. It's certainly serious. And I never want to you know, discount a victim or anything like that, but it's just one of those areas where it's like, none of us know 100% for sure what exactly happened. You know, she made an accusation, she went to the authorities, then she later dropped the criminal charges. Again, why did she drop them? Was she paid off? Did she realize that she was going to get slammed in court by Kobe's attorneys? I, we just don't know. Yeah. Um, and then they settled out of court. So, so Kobe has a sort of a tarnished history for me. You know, I'm a fan of what he did on the court. I definitely think that was a serious accusation. That you know that I mean, it was horrible.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, what's troublesome? But, what's troublesome for me sometimes also this relates to what you're saying is that you know I think we really hold athletes up to this godlike status. and sure, and sure. it and I do remember when she accused him of this act, you know, the media and and local people right. in Colorado were, were treating her like shit. Right. And part of the That's reason true. part of the reason why she didn't want to even testify is she didn't want more people to know what she looked like. and but back to Kobe a little bit, I was thinking about this idea of forgiveness. You know, when when do you not you personally, but when when do we like in my mind? Yeah, he did something really terrible, potentially. And and, and I read the article for The Daily Beast, and it certainly looks as though he he did this terrible act. And it's right. It, it just. But well,
1: he admitted that something happened. I mean, he admitted that it's just then. Been- yeah, where is the truth in what exactly happened? I
0: guess my, yes. my point is, is like, can, can anybody do anything? And part of the reason why I'm having this discussion, and not just with you, but other people, and I, I, you know, human beings are complicated. And I don't think we're just good or bad. And I feel like we live in this world now where you're either right. good, you're either good or you're bad and that's it. And I think my point right. is, is that, you know, can somebody do something bad? But then also he clearly made people feel absolutely wonderful and it seemed as though he was living a pretty positive personal life. His wife forgived him, And I read a lot of stories where people right. would come and meet him at camps and that he seemed very loving and sweet. So it's, you know, are, are people going to hold on to something forever? I mean, I, I don't know.
1: Right. I, uh, that's such a great question. I mean, I definitely personally believe in forgiveness, but I, you know, it's, it's such a hard one with Kobe though, because, you know, I mean, if I had a daughter and you know, she was raped. I mean, could I ever forgive that person who did that? I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that, to me, that's one of the worst things that could ever happen. And so it's a tough question to answer. But I, I guess it's sort of one of those situations where, you know, you look at what he did later in life and you try to at least celebrate the good things He did reconcile with his wife. They they had several children, and by all accounts, from what I've read, he was a pretty good dad, a, g- a great dad in a lot of ways. In fact, I thought it was so interesting that he gave an interview. You probably saw it, but you know the reason he took helicopters everywhere was so he could spend time with his kids, like pick them up from school and not yeah. be stuck in L.A. traffic. You know, I don't know. You're right, though. Humans are complicated. I mean, do we hold something against someone else their entire life? And then I think about people who have been accused of like murder, you know, like Ray Lewis. And, you know, he's like mm. a sports talk personality and no one ever talks about it. He's good, conv- be, you know, he was accused of murder, <laughs> yeah. you know? And it's like, so I, you know, it's weird, you know, you got Michael Vick, you got all these guys that, um, these mm. athletes. And I, I don't know, Eddie, it's, it's, it's a complicated question. Um, you know, I, I guess my hope is that the, the woman, that, you know, that he did this to, you know, found some amount of peace. And I would hope that Vanessa, Kobe's wife, really would have um, maybe, you know, privately, not in public. But I would have hoped that she would have made sure that, I mean, you can never take it back. But let's make it, you know, let's make sure it's right, you know, as bright as it can be. I mean, it happened. I don't know.
0: Believe me, I'm I'm struggling with these thoughts. I remember Charles Barkley mentioning something years ago saying something like, you know, I'm not a role model. I'm not a role model. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a basketball player. And, and it's, it's funny, you know, I think it's a very challenging day and age to live in now, especially if you're in the public eye, especially if you're professional, if you're a professional athlete, because people don't, they they want you to not only be great at basketball, but then you have to be just like a great, inspiring human being all the time. And right that just might not be the case. And I, I don't know. I We just hold these people up as though they are, you know.
1: Well, and let, let's be honest. I mean, Kobe was a jerk to, especially the first three quarters of his career. He was a horrible teammate. Hmm. He was horrible to, to be, I mean, Pat uh, Phil Jackson, you know, not one, but two different books, you know, called him uncoachable. I mean, I think he was really, a, a jerk for a lot of it. I, I don't know if he had sort of an awakening or not, but it just definitely seemed in his later years, like there was something that happened where he became more of a mentor to younger players. You know, he definitely seemed to value his family more. And then after retirement, it really seemed like he sort of embraced those roles as, you know, basketball ambassador and mentor to the younger NBA generation and dad. So, I don't know what happened in there, but again, it's like you're going back to your point about how people are complicated. I also think that we're not the same. Like, I know I'm not the same person I was at 22. Now at 47, yeah. I'm not the same person I was at 35. And so, that's another question that kind of goes into your your question about forgiveness. Like, do we hold someone accountable for their entire life for something they did at 26, 28, 30? You know, do we still hold them accountable for that at 45? You know, or is there some sort of grace that that we can give that, you know, hey, this person did this horrible thing, they paid some penalty for it and, you know, now they've transitioned or they've transformed and, you know, do we take that into account? I I think that was one of the things that was disappointing about Kobe's death is I felt like he had, in recent years, he'd really kind of turned a corner. Uh, You just heard story after story of people who he had given back to in some way. And so I don't know what happened in his life that sort of made that happen for him. But he wasn't that way for the bulk of his career. I mean, he was a jerk. Let's be honest. I mean, people didn't want to play with him. There was a clip going around on Twitter today I saw, in fact, of Kobe at a practice in 2014 when he had you know that team that won fifteen games or whatever yeah. and he's just cussing everyone out you know just just swearing up one side down the other all these young players just cussing them out so he wasn't a nice person but you know again did he change it feels like it feels he did, like it did yeah it feels like there was a transformation at least in some ways
0: well, so and it's funny before you know there's a lot of a few other things I want to talk about but there is even this sort of. Godlike status about Michael Jordan. I mean, he was mm-hmm. he was a jerk. You know, his dad died, and they're saying it's because Michael Jordan was addicted to gambling, and it was a, a gambling debt that he yeah. never paid off, and they went after his dad. And there's just story after story of this guy that he was a jerk to play with. You know, when you're that good, and, and Kobe Bryant, in my mind, is one of the ten best basketball players of all time. I mean, I right. think.
1: Yeah,
0: I don't know. It's just it, it's strange. You know, you tell this story about this Twitter video of Kobe in practice. And I, somehow it feels like, why do we even, it's like we have to have access to everything now. And, and you know, right. what, what goes on? It's like, it's nobody's business. What goes on right. in somebody's personal life. And just because they're famous, it feels like we need to know and I, again, this, this is going to slowly tie into technology and social media, but it somehow it makes people feel like they have to know everything about everybody.
1: I talk about this with my my younger brother um, a lot because he's he's really he's gotten off Facebook now, and I know we can move into social media later. But just just to give you some context, he's he's deleted his Facebook account. You know, he's just so frustrated with this world of like you said, everyone's got to know everything, and then people are creating all of this content that has no meaning nor purpose. So there are some celebrities that put everything they do out and 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 I think that sort of sets this the expectation in people's minds that oh you know this is what is expected of every celebrity they they need to give me 24/7 access to their lives you know and I actually respect the ones more who don't do that you know that are private that you know that that don't publish everything they're doing and they're not all into self promotion every second of the day you know, and, and you sort of wonder what what is their life like? You know, those are the ones I actually appreciate a little bit more because it feels to me like there's more authenticity there. Yeah. And, you know, I know I grow weary of the I don't need to know everything that you're doing. You know, Instagram. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, well, it's horrible.
0: And I was thinking <laughs> and I was thinking. You know, part of the fascination and aura about like Led Zeppelin or bands fifteen, twenty years ago, that was such a mystery to them. Right, and, and you're right. It, it you know, artists and musicians and athletes, it, it feels like you know they they have to post stuff. And I'm curious because you know, I remember you and I having like conversations on Facebook, or not even conversations. They were like comments about like the Lakers, and I think right. Brian Dunn got involved and stuff. And I realized, like my podcast is about, and they were kind of some heated discussions about something, I think it was Lakers related, I don't totally remember, but I realized over the last year and a half that those are not conversations. Right. They're they're just ways for people to publicly lambast or share their viewpoints because other people are watching and, and you are not, like you. our conversation right now, we're actually looking at each other. But right. then, then there's there's context and there's nuance and this doesn't happen, you know, when, right. when you're if you're posting something. And I even remember like a couple of years ago, you were asking all these questions on Facebook and <laughs> it's weird, though, but I've come to this realization in the last year and a half. And Dolly Parton, you know, sort of started this trend a couple of weeks ago where people were posting all these photos on Instagram. I think anything that gets a mass amount of people to engage more on a social media platform is actually ruining the world.
1: I, I don't disagree with you at all. Um, you know, I've changed my social media behavior and perspective a lot in the last couple of years. It's, it's a lot of what you said. It's it's not personal um, it's not really authentic conversation. It's, you know, okay. Someone posts their viewpoint and then someone else either, if you agree with it, then they, yeah, yeah, I agree with your viewpoint. Or someone says, no, I disagree. And, you know, I mean, that's not really, there's no substance there at all. It's not, um, it's fake. I mean, it's just not real. And, you know, I think that's the thing that just the longer you sort of have, have been in it and see it, You just, it starts, it's really apparent now. There are a few platforms, like I do enjoy Twitter, but it's all about, again, who you follow. But there are some people that post really good content there. Um, And for me in the marketing kind of, you know, uh, search engine optimization world with my agency, you know, there's people who are doing it who are better than me, who have done it longer than me. They're sharing posts, they're sharing, you know, lessons learned, best practices, those type of things. So I think in that way, there is some value to social media because I can respond like here's here's a guy who's been doing it since, you know, 2002 and he's sharing sort of something that's working for him and I can actually direct message him and say, you know, hey, I know you don't know me, but I saw your post. I have a question, you know, would you mind answering? And then I'll get a response nine yeah. times out of ten anyway. So I do think there's value in those types of ways. But it's I think what you're talking about really is more of the. Hey, look at me, you know, let me post these, you know, staged pictures of my house or my kids or my car or whatever it is. I don't know. And, you know, and then let me write some little witty, um, you know, saying to go along with it. And let me put hashtags so it'll go viral. And it's just not real. It's
0: all a performance. We have all become actors and we're all curating and trying to look like we're a certain way. And it's a phenomenon. And I was kind of curious, how old are your kids?
1: Yeah, uh, you're you're right on the money. I I have a boy, uh, he just turned 13 on Monday. So I'm a new teenager.
0: Well, because I have a a guest that just was here a couple days ago, one of my friends. He has a 14-year-old. So I am curious. I'm very curious. And I'm one of those believers that actually thinks, I don't have kids, but I don't think kids should have a smartphone until the age of 16. But I'm right. I'm curious what.
1: Uh, man, we struggled with that. <laughs> so let's, yeah, let me let me hear. So he did get a smartphone last year at twelve. There were some pretty strict rules. There still are. Yeah. Um, we don't allow any social media of any kind for him. Uh, no Instagram, no uh, TikTok, no Snapchat, nothing. If he watches YouTube, you know, it's got to be pre-approved by. You know, we have to make sure we're, we know what he's, who he's watching and what the content is. And it's really, for him, it's it's mostly about texting, uh, staying in touch with his friends. And then because as he's getting to be a teenager, he does have a social life now, it is valuable for us to be able to say, hey, where are you? Uh, what time are you coming home? Do you need a ride? You know, or or when's so-and-so picking you up or anything like that? So it's mostly a communications tool with a little bit of like he'll watch YouTube videos. But yeah, I mean he he actually asked um the other day about, you know, he he had seen uh, some of his friends were on um trying to I think it's TikTok. Mm -hmm. TikTok is that yeah I'm not even on it. So but yeah, his friends were on TikTok and he wanted to, you know, make some videos and we're like, man, you know, this is an area where we're just not we're not gonna compromise, you know, and um And so, you know, he didn't push back too much because he knew that we're pretty strict on that because I just don't think a little bit of context here. So my wife, Amanda, is uh, has been a counselor since, well, since the mid 90s. So she and her specialty is um, uh, not specialty, but, you know, a lot of her clients are teenagers, adolescents. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we talk a lot. I mean, she can't ever tell me specifics about clients, but just generalities, and there is a huge amount of anxiety in the adolescent age group right now. I would say, I think I asked her recently, how many teenagers do you see and anxiety sort of one of the key or core struggles that they're dealing with? It's like she said, it's like 90%. Yeah. And, and so what is making all these kids so anxious like what is causing them to not sleep and to, you know, be fearful about just the way they look and present themselves and all that. I mean, you know, you and I, I mean, we, we had peer pressure just like any every generation. But I think and this is just my theory, but I think that a lot of it is social media driven and related. I think that um, and smartphone related, you know, if you go to a restaurant. And you look, uh, we have a rule in our family, no phones at the table ever. And, and like, even if I break it, you know, if I've taken a call or something there, you know, they get on to me. But if you go to a restaurant, I'm sure you see it all the time. Sure. You look, there's a family sitting there and, and the kids are on their iPads or their phones and the, and the parents are too. And so, again, what is making all these people so anxious? I think it's that, that people aren't engaging. You know, they're not looking each other in the eye and having authentic conversations um, and then, you know, they're worried about, well, did my post get likes or did someone make a mean comment on, you know, one of my posts or something like that? Or, I mean, that's just my theory. No, but it's, I, think it's, it's, I it, think it's interrelated.
0: It's not a theory. There's plenty of articles and plenty of stories and actual data that supports this. And I read about it all the time. And I yeah. think there's a great show. It's very challenging to watch, but it's called Euphoria on HBO. And I think it really. Oh it captures the duality of human beings and i it's already hard to maintain friendships and happiness in your day-to-day real life but then when you right. throw when you throw it is almost like you're managing two lives when you suddenly are on instagram and facebook and tiktok or snapchat or whatever cuz you're not you're thinking about all of it and the brain right. can't the brain can't handle All of that emotion, all of that anxiety. And there's no wonder that people are having panic attacks and getting depressed because they're thinking too much. They can't relax.
1: I think that's a great point. I think part of it too is, and you kind of said this, but I think it's you know, we're bombarded by so much right now. It's, it's almost, it, not almost, it's sensory overload, you know? And, and that's one thing I've really had to dial back on myself is, you know, I, I, I used to pride myself when I was younger, stupid, but I used to pride myself on being able to multitask. I can do, you know, three, four, five things at once and do them all decent. And man, that's just a lie. I mean, come on, Darren, you know, no, you can't do anything well and you can't be fully present if you're doing that. And so you know, I don't want to be one of those dads whose kids look back on, you know, our time, their time at home and think, oh, my dad was always on his phone or, you know, yeah. was on social media or something. So, you know, it. but you have to be, I find myself, I have to be so intentional about it. I have to force myself, OK, I need to put down my phone. You know, yes, someone may text me or it may ring or I may get a direct message. It can wait what's happening in real life right here with these people in front of me is way more important and I need to be fully present. And I think that, you know, when we're just bombarded by social media, uh, that's what another thing I did, you know, you, you probably done this or, but I took all the notifications except yeah. for, I think I, one or two things I get notifications on, but that's it. Uh, I took them all off cause I don't want my phone dinging every two seconds. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so yeah, I do think that we we get bombarded by so much and and if you're on all these different channels and you're trying to monitor and trying to keep up, man, how do you ever survive?
0: Give me a little bit of background in the sense of you're not a minister, but you're obviously connected to your local church. Yeah. How how so? Just really quickly, what's what's your connection because I know that religion has been a part of your life and that's the other reason sure. why I reached out to you and this this will connect to my next question.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I, you know, I've been uh, a Christian for many, many years and I'm not a minister. Um, I volunteered more in my younger days. We're active in our local church and my son, my teenager, you know, is active in the youth group. And so we have community there, but I don't talk a lot about it on social media nearly as much as I used to. And I never did a whole lot, but, um, and this is probably a whole other discussion, but you know just with the all the stuff that's happened politically and marrying politics to religion uh mm-hmm. you know just that's not who i am not who what i believe to be true and so i i don't talk about it a whole lot um, publicly well, I know? guess instance, I do
0: yeah i guess my my question for you is is that i think about and this connects to tech and social media and even kobe just dying at such a young age and I think of people's priorities and I think about this idea of what do you value and how do you instill, I mean, it's so easy to like, to me, it's hard to make sense sometimes of the meaning of life, especially when a 41 year old who's seemingly has it all. He's just, he's gone. That's it. Right. And in your free time, instead of, making the most of your life, not you personally, but I'm saying you sort of more generally speaking, um, instead of family and connection and pursuing your dreams and having a passion for life because life is so fragile and we forget it, people are instead valuing the idiocies of Instagram and technology and the addictive qualities that come from these, these devices. So, how do you instill values or or how do you even figure out the meaning of life or or do you have these conversations with your family or you know cuz i'm trying to sort it out i'm not particularly very religious and that's kind of the reason why i wanted to hear your perspective and how do you sort of make sense of it all with the chaos of tech and then a young 41 year old dying i mean how do you explain it
1: <laughs> i wish i had all the answers i mean i could just tell you from in my own imperfect ways um I mean, number one, I think, you know, as a as a Christian, I mean, I don't believe that death is the end, but there is a finality to it. And uh, I something that all of us, you know, no one escapes that. So, you know, there's there's always that finality. And it is it's shocking when it happens when when it happens out of turn. You, know, you sort of expect it when someone gets older. But, you know, when it happens so young, it, it's shocking. But in terms of Man, how do you explain it and make sense of it all? I mean, I think that it, go, it goes back to this for me. I mean, it I do value some of the relationships I had that are distant. I mean, I'm in Texas and, you know, everyone, most everyone I went to Pepperdine with, like yourself and others, or California or other places. And so I do not I don't have the proximity to be able to sit down face-to-face with a lot of these people. So social media is in some ways the only avenue or channel I have to stay connected to some people. And so I do value that. But um, as a means of just sort of projecting everything that's going on, you know, or wanting to create a brand or a persona, man, that's just, you're just wasting time. You're wasting valuable time. In my, my opinion, this is my two cents. Sure. You're just wasting, you're wasting valuable time because like you said, we, none of us know how long we have. And none of us know when our time is up. And why would you spend time doing that when you have people in front of you who, you know, you could be sharing real life experiences with? And so one of my very favorite things this is partly why I wear the Dodgers hat is uh, all, all well, my two older boys. My younger one likes it, too, but he's too young. My two older boys are really into baseball. Um, And that's their favorite sport. I've done from a young age. I mean, I am an assistant or a head coach for one or both of their teams. And I love it because you know what? When you're on the baseball field practicing or playing games, you don't have your phone out. You know, I mean, your phone is away in your bag. There's no technology. You're just you're in the moment. You're engaged. You're talking. You're playing a game. And man, I tell you, those are some of my favorite memories with my boys. Um, because it's it's non-technology and we're not distracted. You know, we're having these moments and we're sharing experiences and it's real life. And, you know, the older I get, the more I value those things, the more, you know, those are the things that are important. You know, can social media be valuable in some ways? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't connect really in a lot of ways to a lot of people who I don't live near, but there's just so much wasted time, And I think that's like when I was mentioning that conversation I just had with my brother recently, I think that was really a lot in a lot of ways the genesis for his thoughts is, you know, I've got so many more important things to focus on. Like my wife or my girlfriend or my friends here in this town. I mean, why waste it? You know, why waste valuable time trying to create this brand or this image, you know, when you could be spending it with real people. that's really making meaning out of anything but I just you know I think a lot of it is filtering through the noise we just you know with social media it does make a lot I was thinking about this the other day I mean we can so we have oh man I'm ashamed to say we, we have three or four streaming services I mean I think I got Hulu Amazon Netflix YouTube TV then we've got all the social media channels then you've got YouTube itself uh you know you got the internet I mean man we have so much noise around us and so many ways to be distracted. And so when you talk about how do I make meaning or sense of it all, I think one of the things, and I'm certainly not perfect at it by any means, but it's just trying to be more present, you know, just trying to be in the moment more. And that, and, and to do that, a lot of times it means, yeah, you got to turn off the screen or put the phone down, you know, bottom line. So,
0: and you know, it's troublesome for me to sort of wrap my head around And again, I think it's creating more disconnection. You know, when we were younger, we had maybe we had one newspaper in LA, Mm -hmm. the LA Times, or there was one in Cleveland, the Plain Dealer, um, the Chicago Tribune in Chicago, of course, and three channels, and just we keep adding, we keep adding more and more, and and as simple as this sounds, you know, everybody when people went to work on Friday, more than likely people watched Cheers, the Cosby show and Hill street blues. And everybody came in and they sat around and they talked about the episode and they talked about it all week and, and they lived with that episode. And these were, these were ways to connect and, and actually think and have discussions. And instead now it's a race to the finish line to finish and watch as much as you can because Apple plus and Netflix and Hulu, as you say, <laughs> and these, again, I think it's adding more anxiety. It's it's creating more disconnection. And it's just another, instead of, you know, us having a conversation about some shows, instead it's, oh, did you see that? Yeah. What'd you think? Oh, it was great. But nobody can really remember any of the episodes because they all sort of like wash together into one long eight hour thing. Right. So... At sort of, to your point, where we have somehow bombarded our lives with more access to more shows and i don 't i don 't know if it 's actually a good thing anymore i'm really yeah. i don 't know i 'm not I really believe that i I really struggle with this idea. You know, and here Martin Scorsese is really annoyed that he has to release his movie or it's only in a theater for three weeks and then Netflix because then Netflix has the rights to it. I mean, I think it is impacting our culture and creatively speaking, conversational wise, more than anybody can ever actually imagine and put their finger on.
1: I would, I would 100%, 100% agree with you because I think we have lost the ability to in a lot of ways to you know uh for delayed gratification you know we want everything right now everything's instantaneous i mean people get annoyed when a tv show isn't released you know all the episodes aren't released at once you know people get annoyed by that yeah and i actually i mean yeah have i binge shows absolutely i'm guilty of that but i actually enjoy the shows that come out once a week more, you know, like I mean, I, I'm trying to think of the last one. You know, like Game of Thrones. That yeah. you was know, one that a lot of people talked about. You know, and and it and that to me was is more enjoyable because, like you said, you get a finite amount of information at once, and then there's a space, and in that space, you can have conversation, you can engage, you can ask questions, and so I do enjoy that. But I think a lot of it is, yeah, we. We just want everything at once and it's just like a fire hose and we stick our heads in it and, you know, just like bombards us and you don't, you don't retain things as well. You don't understand things as well. You're not able to converse as much. Um, I've just learned, I don't know, maybe because I'm, (laughs) maybe because we're older, but I have learned about myself that if I try to really do more than one thing at once, I'm not doing anything well. And so whether it's work or whether it's this podcast or whatever it is, whatever I'm doing, like I'm not going to be emailing or on Facebook right now because I want to be here talking with you. A lot of it is just saying no to things, I think, for me. No to HBO right now. No to Netflix. No to Amazon. No to YouTube. I'm going to just, you know, focus on this conversation right here.
0: Yeah, I I think a couple more things and I'll let you go because I know it's getting late over there. I, I'm not a Luddite I'm not a Luddite and I certainly love technology and it's not going anywhere. So I I'm not trying I'm trying to bring more awareness without criticizing and being critical and 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 complaining about it because there are a lot of joys that technology brings. So how are you how are you hopeful? Because I I'm I just you know what is amazing to me. What's amazing to me is how easily manipulated human beings are. We just embrace. We just all take grab everybody. It's like it's a law that you have to have a smartphone. It's a law that you have to have Netflix. I mean, I I don't know. I I, I don't see this trend stopping. And I do. No. And I feel like I I'm not trying to just. Be a non-conformist just for non-conf- non-conformist sake because I do feel happier and more balanced, and I think as a yoga teacher, also, I, I do think if you're not careful, your whole life is going to be wrapped up in nonsense. Right. So, how, are you more hopeful than I am, or uh, or you just are you trusting that human beings are? going to navigate this and i know ai is next and people are right. you know people are losing jobs because everybody's job is getting taken over by computers i mean are you hope more hopeful
1: oh that's a great question you know i would say hmm. in some okay yes in some ways i do think you know this conversation is interesting to me because it's not like out of left field, like it may, like it, if we were having this conversation to me and the world I lived in two and a half, three, four, five half, three, four five years ago, it probably would have seemed really, wow, you know, that was really different than a lot of my other conversations, just because no one else is thinking or saying these things. But what I'm finding today is there are, are a lot of people I don't know a lot to quantify that, but, you know, there are more people than I maybe realized who feel like the same struggles and frustrations that you're voicing and that I'm experiencing as well, which is, you know, just, again, this bombardment of information through all these different channels and all this technology and the pressure that creates to keep up. You know, I'm not going to be able to watch every show that people are talking about on social media. I'm just not. I can watch one at a time. That's it. You know, and I'm not going to be able to watch every Lakers game or every Dodgers game. Just not. And so, you know, I think part of it is you, you used a really interesting word earlier, forgiveness. And I think it's sort of a, a way I think you sort of have to forgive yourself in that. Forgive yourself that I don't have to keep up. You know, I don't have to be in the know of, about everyone or everything like i'm gonna give myself grace and say you know what i'm not gonna know about all these celebrities (laughs) yeah it's funny what was it recently the grammys or the um no it it wasn't the grammys the golden globes or something Mm -hmm. one of those awards shows yeah i I turned it on for 15 minutes or whatever (laughs) i didn't know anyone yeah you know i just don't keep up and and you know and again i can sit there and make fun of it that's not that wasn't my point nor purpose, but it was just interesting to me. It was sort of this realization that, wow, I, you know, in my younger days, I would have known who all of these people were. I don't know any of them are, you know, but I'm going to, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because I want to be, I'm going to say no to all of these other things so that I can be yes to the, hopefully the important things. So am I hopeful? I'm hopeful in the sense that I do find there are people thinking and feeling the same way. And I think that maybe, hopefully there will be sort of a reaction against some of this technology and the bombardment of information and that there will be more people who tend to say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to engage with that. Again, I was just telling you about my brother earlier. Yeah. He's not on Facebook anymore. He loves it. He's so joyful. Like I'm not on Facebook. I'm not trapped. You know, I'm not, you know, um, I wish I could not be on Facebook. Honestly, I really do. Unfortunately for me, I have to be a part of some groups that are important for my work. So it sort of keeps me there. But honestly, um, yeah, if I didn't have a work-related reason for being on Facebook, I would probably really give some serious consideration to deleting my account.
0: I think we're not meant to know what 800 people are doing, you right. know. Like I don't, I don't care what. And I guess before I did, or or maybe I didn't even know what I what I wanted when I originally opened up my Facebook account. But it just seemed like, oh, I can connect with you know 20, 50, 100 people I went to high school with. That seems right. cool. But then I realized over the last few years. I don't care. I don't care. And it's and it, it right. doesn't mean I'm a bad person. I just
1: no
0: I don't think the brain is meant to be constantly fed with all this information. And it's just your your brain cannot possibly think straight if you're constantly taking stuff in. You're not stopping and thinking. So um yeah. I think my last question, and this is another reason why I've reached out to you. Look, you know, a week has passed since Kobe passed away, and I, I'm not as shocked and filled with sorrow and sadness as I was. But again, it's it was a tough week, and it was it was shocking. And all these thousands and millions of people are not millions, but thousands of people are going to downtown L.A. to pay their respect. And you know, I certainly believe in a higher power and. I was wondering, speaking to you, how does one make sense, or how does God explain a, a tragic death at the age of forty-one? I mean, and that's and and
1: and the thirteen-year-old girl and, a, and, yes. and all the other people on the board. Yeah, that, I yeah. think
0: even more importantly, the thirteen-year-old girl and the and these and then two girls who weren't on the helicopter their mom and dad were killed and now they basically are going to be in an orphan home I mean I'm not sure but you know I I think to myself how does one believe in God or how can somebody have faith if something like that happens so
1: well I I think it's one of the toughest and most important questions that any of us could ask I mean honestly and if anyone comes to you and claims they have oh I know the answer to that I mean they're lying they're lying to themselves and they're lying to you but here's how I would sort of wrestle with it in this way Um, number one one of my pet peeves and and you hear it all the time and I just hate it is that everything happens for a reason Mm -hmm. and I don't believe that I don't believe that everything happens for a reason because I believe that we live in a world where accidents and tragedies happen. And I just think it's false theology. I think it's 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 people trying to make sense of things. So they say that to make themselves feel better, but it's not true. You know, I mean, uh, I don't think I don't think it's true. I,
0: yeah, okay. it's okay.
1: This is just it's just just me. Yeah. I don't think everything happens for you. Now, let me let me marry that with something though. Can good things come out of bad? Absolutely absolutely good things can come out of bad. It's just not going to take the bad away. It's not going to take the tragedy away. Like one of the things with Kobe, you know, I did see a lot of people on social media talking about hugging their kids tighter or telling their parents they loved them or it's kind of silly in some ways. But, I, you know, if you follow the NBA, you know, Kendrick Perkins, who's now a commentator. Mm-hmm. He was having a Twitter beef with Kevin Durant. Well, immediately after Kobe died, Kendrick puts a tweet out and says, Katie, I'm sorry, man. Whatever we had between us, whatever I've done to hurt you, I am sorry. You know, and so there was just things like that. Now, did he need to make it public? I don't know, but you know, I mean, what for what it's worth. Um, but I did see a lot more of that. Like people were shocked enough that they thought, "Oh my gosh, you know, any of us could go at any time. No one's promised tomorrow." I need to make sure that the people around me know that I love them and I care about them and that they're valuable to me and any beefs that I have with someone that are just stupid or silly or just you know need to be reconciled, I need to do that so I did see some of that and 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 I'm not saying but I would never say well Kobe died for this purpose, but can good things come out of bad absolutely, but I just don't believe like you know earthquakes and tornadoes and Know, and then serial killers and i mean just going on the list of all these horrible things i don't believe those things happen for some greater purpose or reason there are some people of faith who do believe that i just don't happen to be one of them how do i make sense of it well i have to believe that there is that again like i said that death is not the end that there is uh, a life after this and that there is a higher power and um i'm hopeful that you know, that that afterlife will be a place where it's different and better. I'm either completely wrong and, and I'll find out at my death or, you know, uh, maybe I'm right. I don't know. But, I, you know, it's I don't know how you make sense of it in, in terms of why these things happen or what the purpose was. And I think to, answer, to try and answer your question, I think we have to be OK we want answers to everything. Yes. We want we want meaning to everything. But I don't think some things have answers nor meaning. I mean, I think sometimes horrible things just happen. You know, babies are born with deformities or brain damage. You know, horrible things happen because people, like you said earlier at the beginning, when we we're wrestling with Kobe. All of us have all of us have the potential for evil. Every one of us has the potential for evil. You know, hmm. I, I mean. I don't mean to be morbid or anything, but I mean, all of us, if we gave in to those base desires and instincts and really, you know, uh, began to surround ourselves with thinking and all of that and idolizing people who are doing those things, we are all have the potential for evil. I think and this is a side tangent, but I'll just mention it. Since I'm making that point, I think a lot about the Las Vegas, the guy in Las Vegas who shot up all those people at the concert and and they still to this day, if they know why he did it, they've never released it. Hmm. And I wonder, I still wonder about that. Like what was going on in his heart and mind that caused him to, to plan that and go through with it? I don't know. You know, but I mean, you know, was he an evil person his whole life? I don't know. But, it, you know, so it's, it's sort of one of those. I think we all have that potential. But I also think on the flip side, the, the line between good and evil, I think, runs down the center of all of us. And, you know, hopefully we're trying to be on the side of goodness where, you know, we care about each other. We care about humanity. We care about making the world better. We care about taking care of our world. We care about those around us, all of those things. But I think bad things are just going to happen. I think there will be evil. Um, People are going to do evil things and there's going to be tragedies. I get real nervous around people who come to me when those things happen. Say, I have the answer. I know why that happened. I get real, I, that, that really. Can I give you a two minute story from my personal life of why I feel that way? Yeah, definitely. Am yeah, I going over? I don't wanna. No, I, don't we, wanna, we'll, I wanna respect the time.
0: No, we'll stop in like the next five to seven <laughs> minutes. Yeah, we're good.
1: So I don't know if you, you, you may or may not know this, but in 1995, that September, my family was driving up the uh, 405, and I'm trying to remember if we were on the five. Anyways, right over by Bakersfield. Mm hmm. And going 68, 70 miles an hour, my mom reaches down. We were all in the van, and this was back in the day when I— <laughs> do you remember when you were a kid or a teenager and you didn't wear seatbelts? Because, sure. yeah, you know, I don't know, we were stupid. So I'm laying in the back, my little brother's in the middle. We had this minivan. My mom's reaching down between her mm-hmm. uh, her legs to try and grab something, and front tire blows. Van somersaults. Me and my brother ejected out onto the highway. Uh, and he gets a traumatic brain injury, a TBI. Hmm. And uh, long story short, you know he's never been the same, he's not the same. The brother that I had for 17 years, you know he died on that highway that day. Now hmm. I have a new brother and I love him just as much, but he's not the same. He struggles with short-term memory. he struggles with critical thinking, he struggles with walking his right side of his body is real tense so he struggles with picking things up with his right hand. Um, and so I've spent a large part of my adult life wrestling with, so why did that happen? You know, what was the purpose of that? And when I hear religious people who come to me and say, well, look at all the good that your brother's done and all the people he's touched and inspired, you know, that must have been why it happened. I mean, I just want to punch him, but no, that's not true. That's a lie. And how dare you even say that to me? Because you don't know. The turmoil and the stress and the anxiety that my mom and dad and all of us have gone through in the years since that you know you don't know the daily struggles that my brother faces so how dare you try to put a meaning on it and make sense of that when you don't know the whole picture and so I I think about that a lot and I think about why did that happen and I I don't know I really don't Um, all I can go to is that accidents happen in this world and things like Kobe going down in a helicopter when he's been flying for how many years? And he, I mean, he's probably flown more than any other celebrity we know of yeah. helicopters. And, and I think statistically, too, I read helicopter travel is like one of the safest. It's rare. How does that happen? Why does it happen? I don't know. I don't know. And I get real nervous around people who claim that they do know. Um, but I say all that to say, can bad things, can good things come out of bad? Absolutely. I, I believe that with my whole heart. But I don't want to sit here and say the good things that came out of this are why this bad thing happened, you know, um, because I don't know that I don't believe that to be true myself. I don't believe that the people that may have been inspired by my brother's story and his example and the way he's recovered. I don't I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But I don't believe that that was the reason why he suffered for his entire adult life to open a can or hold a book or, you know, Function like a normal human. Um, I don't believe that. So wow. I don't know if I can make sense of it for you, but um, I think it's a great question. And I again, I think we we are all in this search for meaning and purpose. And part of it for me is just being okay with the ambiguity and the mystery. You know, I'm just saying I'm okay with I'm okay with not knowing. I'm gonna I'm gonna look for the good, and I'm gonna try to focus on that, and try to be a part of that. But as far as knowing and understanding, I'm not on this side of, you know, of death. Well, I know that and maybe not afterwards, but hopefully so. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I, that Thanks. was a long-winded answer. No I, hope that was I was,
0: okay. no, I was thinking that must have been one of the hardest. That must have been the hardest day of your life.
1: Yeah, it was. It was very dark. And, you know, you talked about you asked me about faith. And I mean, my goodness. uh probably the most challenging thing faith wise, you know, and, and for me it really became, there was a point where it's not, you you think about those crossroads in your life decision wise. And there was a point where I really remember like, am I going to continue to believe in a higher power? Am I going to continue to believe in a God or am I going to walk the other way? And um, yeah, I wrestled with that for a long time, but I, I I finally came to the point where I surrendered to I just I for me personally again and I would never push my beliefs on anyone else but for me personally it, the, the other way walking away felt very dark and very empty and you know I think for me I needed to cling to some kind of hope and um, so that's what I did um, but again it doesn't mean I have all the answers and I certainly the thing the challenge the challenging thing so we've talked about faith for just a moment here the challenging thing for me, Eddie, with social media is I get more annoyed with people of faith on social media than I do with anyone else. Hmm. Uh, they, The judgmentalism, I don't know if that's a word, but people Sorry. being judgmental, yeah. people assigning fake meaning to things, people uh, trying to force things on others, and the, the marriage of religion to politics. So man, don't even get me started on that. All those things just really, really frustrate me. And it's not part of my religious belief. I don't, and, and I, I, I just get, um, I think part of it, hard for me is I don't want to become judgmental myself. And so when I see that kind of stuff from other people, it's like, I need to ignore that and get away from it because I'm going to, if I see that, I'm going to, I'm going to judge them. You know, I'm going to be like, that person is wrong and I don't want to be that way. So yeah, that's a whole other discussion. But, uh, yeah.
0: Well, I I have to say, you know, I say this a lot, but whenever I'm done talking to somebody, um I I feel fuller and I feel more connected and I I think it just it proves um the power of being curious, wanting to talk to somebody. That's the other thing. I just I sense a like a, a level of curiosity um, it's just going down. People aren't asking questions and they're just sort of accepting life as it is without really thinking. And, and I just think it's just one of the themes and hopes of my podcast is to get people to think more independently, connect more and, and live with a little bit more passion and, and less reliance on their cell phone.
1: Right. Well, you've always, I mean, to your credit, too, you've always been a deep thinker and you've always asked good questions. And that's one of the things I've always admired about you is you're not uh, someone who just goes blindly along with the crowd, but you question things. And I, I think I think questions are important. You know, I think uh, challenging things is important. I think, um, you know, rather than blindly accepting the way things are or the way others are doing, this is something I try to. And we have to keep trying with our, with my kids is to, to cause them to do that, you know, ask questions, you know, don't just go along with the crowd, you know, don't just go along with popular thinking, challenge it, really ask, really dig deep. And so to your credit, you've always been that kind of person. And I, I, I really respect that. I think it's great that you're doing this podcast too, um, you know, and, and interviewing different people. And. So thank you again for the invitation. Uh, I hope this was, you know, interesting and beneficial, but I sure enjoyed talking with you, man. It it really is good to connect again and uh, catch up. It's been too long.
0: Um, Well, Darren, thanks so much um, for taking the time. It really, it really means a lot.
1: Thank you.